Blog Talk Radio. Are you there, Chris? Well, it appears we're having some technical difficulties, folks, so welcome to Race Chat Live. Hopefully, we'll get the technical difficulties cleared up here in a minute and get Chris and Kaz here. Hello, hello. I heard something there for a second. We're having issues with BTR. Or Chris, Mr. Chris Creighton's producing and he says he keeps getting kicked out. So I don't even know if anybody's even hearing this, but At any rate, we're working on it, folks.
Are you ready? Your wedding day. A day that you've envisioned in your mind since you... Okay, never mind. Let me add people in here. I finally got in as producer. Chris was having a hard time, so um, uh, let's see here. Am I unmuted? You're you're on, Taz. We're good. We got to wait All for right. Chris to call back. Then. Go ahead and get start us off. All right. We want to apologize for the technical difficulty to start our show. Um, we got the opening round of of the second round of the NASCAR playoffs for the Cup Series starting this past weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. Um some big playoff implications that have happened. Um, one of them, of course, being Kyle Busch, who was looking like an easy front runner, front runner at the start of the race. And then just before stage one ended, uh, he, had a, he thought he had a tire failure, and that wasn't the case. And then the car just snapped around on him. And now he finds himself on the bottom of the food chain here in the playoff standings. Uh, another, a couple other drivers who are running up front that ended up not having the results that they were looking for was Kyle Larson and Tyler Reddick. Um, it seemed like. It was a back-and-forth battle with a lot of these drivers um, in terms of pit strategy, too. Obviously, at the end of stage one, you had drivers that were sacrificing the chance of earnings to go and pit. You had drivers that felt like they needed the stage points and they stayed out. Um, then you had non-playoff drivers who were trying to play them play a a factor into this race as well. Um, a couple to throw in there, Michael McDowell, who was eliminated in the last round, uh, found himself in the top 10 in stage one and finished the race with the top t- top 15 finish. Um, other ones as well, Kevin Harvick with the top 10 finish as well. Uh, Daniel Suarez and Chase Briscoe were a couple other ones. That threw their noses in. Eric Jones. Um, Bubba Wallace is looking like to be the favorite to the the start of that race. Uh, Texas played a lot of different varieties this weekend for the Cup Series. Is there any was there any surprises? I actually. I know Bubba started up front, but I didn't actually expect him to dominate. And the end of the race certainly threw me for a loop because I thought for sure Bubba had it all sewn up 
and William Byron just, shoo boy, he just come out of nowhere and he didn't have to lead a lap except the last one. And that's the one that matters most. Exactly. Exactly. So I was I was definitely surprised because I, I, I honestly thought Bubba, Bubba had it. Yeah, it seemed like he was the favorite all weekend long. Um, we go back and look. Um, I kind of want to look back at practice here. Bubba Wallace, um, shockingly, was not a top 10 car at all. So it was looking like he would have been out the window early. Then in qualifying, he starts on the pole and right. leads and leads a lot of laps with a front runner. Uh, mm-hmm. Ends up on the podium. Um, I want to check one thing quick to see how many laps did he lead at it because I'm pretty sure uh, he led the most laps of that race. And yeah, it's not. You know, Larson Larson looked pretty pretty darn strong there for a while too. Um, it looked like it was either yeah, him or Bubba that were going to win the race, right? Yeah, William Byron was not on my uh, radar. Bubba Wallace led the most laps at Texas, leading 111, and he was the only driver to have triple digit. Uh, triple digits in the lap leading count. Okay. Uh, Kyle Larson led 99 laps. He was just short. Tyler Reddick led 36. So those were your, those were basically your top three cars all right, right long. Um, like I said, Larson and Reddick uh, for. Their end results did not show the races that they had. No, absolutely not. But um, then a lot of good cars got wrecked out, so. Exactly. Um, now, the question is, was there really much of a tire issue, or was it kind of just parts failing in the during race procedures? Because, yeah, we can look at Kyle Busch. But you also had Austin Dillon. Um, he was basically the first one. And then you had J.J. Yaley. I believe he had a tire issue as well. Um, Ty Gibbs. And, and the other question we got to talk about here is Ty Gibbs versus Denny Hamlin. Uh, they collided on pit road. Right. Was that um, the question? Is was is that a rookie mistake on Ty Gibbs being in the wrong place on pit road coming down, or was there a miscommunication somewhere along that line? Or or did or did Denny get in his way on purpose? You know, can't can't can't. Uh, rule that one out either. To me, it seems like that was a miscommunication. I feel like that was a spotter miscommunication or crew chief miscommunication. Uh, just 
I feel like that incident could have been easily avoided. I know everyone's trying to fight for every spot, but maybe Ty needs to think about the bigger picture because he's not in any sort of playoff picture at all. Right. Well, what what did you think about the racing overall? Overall, One I thought track. it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good overall. I mean, like like I said, there was a lot of different varieties. A lot of if you gave me a bingo card on this race alone, I think there were a lot of I think there were a couple things that I wouldn't have on that bingo sheet. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it seemed like Toyota was, Toyota and Larson were, or I should say 2311 specifically, and Kyle Larson were, were the head of the class. Um, good to see Hendrick get the 300th uh, win for the organization. Uh, I'm trying to look at race results here quick. We got, so Tyler Reddick did win the first stage. Uh, Chris Buescher, Christopher Bell. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe most, if not all of the top 10 in stage one ended up staying out. Uh, Reddick, Buescher, Bell, Byron, McDowell, Elliott, Blaney, Briscoe. I believe those eight at least stayed out. I believe Hamlin and Bubba did pit uh, right at that point. Uh, Stage two, uh, Larson, Eric Jones, Denny Hamlin, the top three out of there. Um, Again, RFK making noise, top ten runs. And when it's all said and done, Byron leads the one and only lap he needed, Ross Chastain. Uh, the second-place finisher, Bubba Wallace, your podium, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick. Sneaks in for a top-ten finish, Brad Keselowski, Daniel Suarez. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Chase Briscoe sneak in for top tens. And those two are – actually, I should say three are – normally, we – when we talk about hot picks, those three are normally uh, the guys we put in the underdog list. Right. Is there? Are we seeing a sense of hope in some of these guys now that there's no pressure for them since they're just running for the best points position possible? Well, that that could be. Yeah. You know, well. You know, it's it's a quandary because it doesn't matter if you're in the chase or not. You still want to win. Right, right. And then, and, and then if you are in the chase, then, yeah, you have to try to maximize your points position, whether you can get the win or not. So... You know, it, it's hard to say where where their where each driver's mindset is at. Um, I did pull up. Adam Stern said that uh, 
USA Network got a 1.16 rating and 2 million viewers for the Sunday race at Texas, up from a 1.11 rating and 1.9 million viewers last year, though the 2022 race had a rain delay in the middle of it. NASCAR was the number one sport of U.S. cable TV on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. That's saying some competing with Sunday night football too. Right. And not not to mention the games that weren't on broadcast television, but you know, were on various cable channels. So I, I, I found that rather interesting. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the people said this was one of the best Texas races to recent date. Um I I may have to join on in on that bubble. Um, if we take a look at the playoff standings quick, obviously William Byron walked into the round of eight. So the next two races for him, he can try to rack up the stage points or just play it safe um, on these next two. Just uh, kind of um, not put so much pressure on him. I mean, that the next two races are – I guess you can essentially say they're wild cards. Um, right. Well, been- Dagas crap shoot. We all know that. And then you have uh, Denny Hamlin sitting second, plus 37. Chris Buescher sitting third, plus 22. Christopher Bell in fourth, plus 20. Regular season champion Martin Truex Jr., uh, plus 19 in fifth. Ross Chastain, plus 12 in sixth. Brad Keselowski plus eight and seven. Kyle Larson uh, is in the eighth and final playoff spot right now with a plus two. Bubba Wallace, despite having the run that he did have, still sits under the cutoff line, but only two points under. Tyler Reddick in tenth, three points under. Ryan Blaney, 11 points under and 11th. And Kyle Busch, who did not have the run he was looking for, is minus 17 under the cutoff, and if my memory serves me right, he needed this race, um, in my honest opinion, in order to have any shot of moving on to the next round. Right. Because, yeah, Kyle Busch is a super speedway racer, but I feel like Talladega is not one of those tracks he does well at. Yeah, no, it's not one of the better ones. And then road course racing, I don't think sits his forte, especially the Charlotte road course. Um, I mean, looking at our round table right now, we we have Ryan Blaney moving on, who's under the cutoff line, and Tyler Reddick we have moving on, and he's under the cutoff line. So we're looking at a two-for-four at the moment. Right. Yeah, maybe maybe no. maybe we didn't think that out so well, huh? <laughs> I guess not, but um, Chris has said it all year long, and he said it last year too. William Byron's just having a breakout year. We've known in seasons past William Byron's just oh, somebody who. We last three years we either get one of two versions of William Byron. 
the first one is the more common one, which is where he wins within the first, I think it was like five, five or six races. And then we don't hear anything of him for basically the rest of the season. Or he stays consistent quietly. And then when he needs to win the most, he shines through. Feel like he's finally broken through because he's he's won races all around this season, and he's the most winningest driver too. And he brought Hendrick their three hundredth win overall, which is quite an accomplishment. I think I'm, but a lot of, but I know Chris would sit here and say it could be that the, I think with Bowman and Chase Elliott having their injuries, I think it gave William Byron the opportunity to kind of peek through because the only other driver he would have to compete against is Larson. Yeah. And Larson on the other hand, I think we're I think in this playoff format right now, I think we're seeing the true Larson and Cliff Daniels combination. I just think that Larson has a bad jinx or bad mojo for the round of twelve. And it's hard to believe being that he's a championship Uh, driver. Right. But, you know, other championship drivers have gotten knocked out already. Logano. Who saw him getting knocked out? I I think if you look at, I mean, if you look back at his past track record in I think I believe they said in the modern era playoff uh, format, uh, Logano has always been eliminated in the in the odd years, but on the even years, he's the one that gets into the at least the championship four. And well, we said it all year long that we said it all that's year long that statistics. Go ahead. It it is, and we've said it all year long. Logano didn't seem the Logano that we got last year the entire season long. Yeah, there's there's been something. Well, the overall, I think has had struggles this year. You know, so I, I, I don't think that's exclusive to Logano, but yeah, you're right. He hasn't, he, he has not performed this year like we expected him to. But, but now this leads to my next question, and Chris mentioned um, this question to us in the in our group chat 
yesterday, and his question was, does RFK owe any love to the other Fords if they found something? Part of me believes if their, if RFK's success has to come from anywhere, I believe it would have to be, in my mind, it would have to be Keselowski would have to think Penske. Because, yes, Junior, Dale Jr. did give Keselowski his, I don't really want to say big break, but his big opportunity. There's a big opportunity for doors to open. And when Keselowski got over to Penske, we started seeing the Brad Keselowski that would compete uh, for wins, top fives, top tens, consistently week in, week out. Fight with the new car, new team last year. If you take that away, Brad's basically, for the most part, picked up where he left off as if he was still with Penske. Am I am I on the right track or using something else? Well, you know, I I definitely think Brad learned from his time at Penske and and was very successful there, and I definitely think he transferred that over to his new team. And I think Chris Busher has been the recipient of all of that knowledge um, because, you know, look at how he's kicked his performance up. And yeah, Brad is basically, you know, he's, he's now performing again at the level he was over at Penske. Does he owe them anything for that? I don't know about that. Um, you know, I'm sure he had playbooks and, and whatnot that he took over with him, but, um, you oh, know, I'm does, sure. and, 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 and I don't believe RFK has any sort of alliance with any other four teams other than either with front row or with Rick Ware. I'm not sure what alliance they have, but it's, they don't share an alliance with anybody else. So it's hard to really sit here and say um, if RFK owes anything to any other Ford in the, in this matter of fact. I mean, you know, other than, other than, you know, sharing manufacturer-wide, I don't see that Brad necessarily has to share anything with Penske, but that depends on what his loyalty and his relationship with the captain is at this point. You know, we don't, we don't know behind the scenes whether him and Roger are still close or if there's any animosity there because of the change. So, you know, it's hard to say. And speaking of drivers, you know, 
in terms of relationships where their former bosses and teams or whatever. Um, Kyle Busch recently had an interview done, and it was released today. That interview was released today of how things have been since his – this is basically his one-year anniversary of him announcing – uh, leaving Joe Gibbs to go to RCR. And he was asked the tough question of how are things between between him and JGR in terms of his old team and his relationship with Gibbs and stuff like that. And, um, and Kyle Busch said it honestly. He said, for the most part, it's kind of awkward. He said him and he said him and his car chief over at that team are basically the only ones that are close because they've known each other for so long. But he said he'll talk to them for the most part. But he said really it's been awkward. Well, I can understand that. I mean, he's he was with them for you know how long? Um, I I did I I did see that. Uh, article I did not read it um, I will have to take a look at that but yeah I can see where it could be awkward absolutely but you know it all depends on what kind of terms and 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 this applies to to him to Brad whoever it all depends on the kind of terms that you left on you know did you feel that uh, your team was, or your team owner, whatever, you know, was doing their best to try to secure your spot, or do you feel like you were left hanging? You know, and as far as the actual crew members go, that's that's got to all be predicated on on how long their relationships were, whether they can still maintain a friendship or not. I mean, I I think with with Kyle Bush, he said it himself. I mean, and Brad probably thinks of the same thing here. With with the move that Kyle Bush made, made it, he said it feels like it's like a brand new, fresh start. Like it was a much needed, fresh start. Um, and it, he said, it wasn't a fresh start for. When he meant by that, it wasn't something on the personal side of things. But it was also a fresh start in terms of his career, because who knew? Who knows how long Kyle Busch would have stayed with uh, Joe Gibbs? Who knows what where his career could have led, led if he stayed there? I think if Mars hadn't given up the ghost, I think Kyle would still be with JGR. I could see that. You know, because sponsorship is so important these days, and, you know, it kind of sucks, but 
it is, and that's a fact. And, you know, when Mars backed out and, you know, it, that, then there's the whole question of could Gibbs have tried harder to find other sponsors, you know, blah, blah, blah. I think we've all had this conversation before. You know, ultimately, the decision was made, and, you know, like I said, whether it was on good or bad terms is going to reflect on on the relationships that the drivers and, and team members have going forward, you know, depending on whether they were friends from way back when or not. And and while we're on the on the topic of Kyle Busch too, um, he has mentioned in not only one but two interviews that he's going to stay in Cup until he feels like he's he's had enough, and it doesn't come as to a surprise that he's basically going to stop cup racing up until when Brexton starts getting ready to uh, run in the truck series. Yeah, so that's, you know, um, Harvick's got his development agency. Denny's got his 2311 ownership. Kyle has his small truck team, but his big focus is going to be on Brexton. We all know that. It's very obvious. You know, so, yeah, once once Brexton reach, reaches a certain point, Kyle's going to get out of the car so that he can manage his own son. Well, I, I think that's rather obvious. In a way, he kind of already managed him because Corn and Kyle Bush, while yes, Brexton is his own son, but Brexton still runs for KBM. Right. So, and Kyle Bush has mentioned like when Brexton first started racing, it was, it was basically, you know, you show up to the track and when it's time to go out on the track and do what you're supposed to do. It's business, and then when you come off the track, you know, you just go off and play. But he said that Brexton has turned into somebody, like a kid at his age, you would have thought how he acts. He's been doing this for quite a while because not only – I mean, yeah, Brexton's winning races, but he's he's learning and racing um, – in a way that a true racer should, which is basically, you know, getting in there, learning, watching tape and listening and understanding, um, understanding things. And Brexton's not only running just one car, he's running two different cars on two different, uh, two different surfaces. Right. He's not taking the go-kart, he's not taking a go-kart running on a dirt track. He's running a mini sprint on dirt and running a bandolero on the asphalt. Well, but all I can 
All I can say about that is look at who his father is. He's got his path charted out for him. He knows where he needs to be, when he needs to be there, what advances he needs to make. You know, so obviously we need to keep an eye on the kid, but we also need, you know, we don't hear as much about Cash and Owen, but those are kids to watch out for too. And, And that brings up an interesting point. All these young kids of current drivers and whether they've truly got the talent or is it who their fathers are? Not to mention the big purses that are behind them. But that lies a question mark with Kyle Bush and Brexton. Yes, Brexton, I'm, and I'm not taking anything away from Brexton at all. What he's, what he's accomplished, what he, how he's matured at his age level. But it, but everyone's gonna when when Kyle Bush sits sits here and says. When I'm done with Cup, I'm going to go down to trucks. Hopefully I win, in, win a championship in trucks because by the time Brexton's going to be old enough to be running in trucks, him and Brexton are going to be sharing – are either going to be sharing a ride or Kyle Busch is going to be running select races with Brexton because Kyle, because Kyle has mentioned that once Brexton gets to the point where he can run at least the small tracks, Brexton's going to be running those, and Kyle's going to run the bigger tracks because Brexton won't be old enough. And Brexton's going to have a, a full-time ride when he's old enough. Well, and again, you know, I bring the point up of the deep pockets that these kids have behind them. And I'm not taking anything away from Brexton's skill level. If If he truly has that talent, then God bless him. But my point is, if it weren't for who their dads are, would these kids be at the level where they're at right now because they sure got a lot of insider knowledge behind them aside from the money and the sponsorship. And the money and the sponsorship is what the local kids don't have. Right. And, um, And this is, but we don't know what kind. Yes, we know the dollar signs. Ideally, that um, Kyle Bush, 
Kyle Larson, Harvick, Boyer, you know, they bring in with their kids, but are they the ones bringing in the dollar ship or the dollar signs in terms of sponsor-wise to the kids, or are they kind of letting the kids kind of, you know, get a feel for it for themselves? That's the question mark we don't see behind the scenes either. Right, but I would think that from a sponsor view, whether, you know, whether it's on a small level while they wait to see what happens, there has to be some transfer there. between dad sponsors and who might be putting a little bit of money behind them just because of the name. And we're talking young kids here. So don't get me wrong. I'm not disparaging these kids at all. I'm just saying they've got a little bit more advantage than your next door neighbor or mine. This is true. So and who knows? Let's maybe about, oh, who knows, maybe we'll see Parker again. We who knows we might we could see Parker be in that same wheelhouse too. Right. We'll have to see. So let's talk about some news this week. Hendrick Motorsports signing uh, Boris Said for the Roval Race. Woohoo, Said Heads. And uh, <laughs> Roger, Caruth, Roger Caruth in the 17 at Phoenix. The um, last minute that came out. Boris said, in a way, doesn't entirely surprise me um, with where he's racing. Um, the team that he's with, right. the team that he's racing for, shocks me a little bit. I didn't expect um, Hendrick to grab him because normally we're yeah, used to that. That was. That was interesting. Because normally we're used to seeing Boris said being in at least mid-tier equipment. Right. Um, Roger Caruth, I mean, I believe this is a big, this is a big opportunity for him. Um, I, I do believe he's currently running for um, GMS Racing. In the truck series right now? I can neither confirm or deny. And I'm trying to look it up quick. Because um, if he's running with GMS, this could be an eye-opener. Yeah, he's he's with GMS right now in the truck series. And 
and I know he's ran some part some races with the Alpha Prime team. I think that's like the Tommy Joe Martins. Uh, yeah, I know. I know he's done a couple of uh, Xfinity races. Well, I I feel like this could be an opportunity where if he gets a solid finish out of this, he could be um, he could be in line for possible Cup ride and with Hendrick in the future, or maybe work a deal out with with Junior Motorsports. Um, or should he stay in trucks? The question is going to be what Chevy team will he go, being that GMS is out the door. I couldn't right. see him. I couldn't see Hendrick say, hey, go run for Kyle Busch Motorsports or Nice Motorsports because, I mean, those are your competitors. Well, maybe maybe they're vetting him for uh, an Xfinity ride next year. And then they, and it, it's and with news as well, and it ain't going to be with Junior Motorsports either because um, on the Xfinity side of things, um, Sammy Smith will be has signed with Junior Motorsports for next year. And I believe he's taking over the Josh Berry machine too, the eight car. Because Brandon Jones signed in. Because Brandon Jones and Sam Mayer announced earlier in the month that they both signed extensions. Uh, Justin Allgaier, that's that's Junior's boy. He ain't going to give him up. Right. But according to what I'm seeing, nothing has been official as of yet. But Allgaier said that um, after his Food City 300 win, that him and Junior are working on a one-year extension to keep him in for at least for next year. I feel like if Raja makes the best of this opportunity he could be headed to junior motorsports within the next two years, at least. Right. So we did have Ryan Priest confirming that he's going to be with Stuart Haas again next season. I mean, I'm I'm not surprised by that news, but that wasn't the news I was wanting to hear or expecting from that camp at all. Because obviously the Stuart House news that everyone's been trying to dig and scratch and claw for is the number 10 ride. And right. Eric Amarola, what, what's, what's the deal there? Is Smithfield staying? Is Almarola stepping out? Um, are we seeing Almarola stay for one more year? Do we have a driver that could take over that ride? 
If Smithfield goes, Eric goes. Because he's already talked about retiring, what, the past two years? So if if Smithfield decides to to back out, then then I see him finally retiring. Well, the question remains: if if he steps away, let's just say that leaves a ten car open, we don't have many free agents left on that side. Would Stuart Haas pull somebody up through their Xfinity program, or would they snag a free agent in, let's say, maybe a Noah Gregson, for an example? Or, but again, again, this all comes in sponsorship dollars as well, but we have to look at it from the side of if Cole Custer comes up, who does he bring? Essentially, he's going to bring Haas uh, automotive and tooling, which we already knew about. We've seen it before. Riley Herps will more than likely have Monster Energy move up with him, if should he move up. Right. Which is a big question mark. He hasn't exactly had a stellar season this year. But it comes down to if one of those two drivers that move up bring that big sponsor in, would Smithfield be able to work with them or would Smithfield back out? And you don't normally see big sponsors try to compete for spots on a car. Right. I mean, look, I mean, if let's look at it from let's say Jimmy Johnson perspective. Jimmy Johnson always had lows, but if he brought in if he brought in a company such as, for example, like Target, I don't know how you would how you would have two major corporations try to try to work with one driver. But we've also seen um, major sponsorship diminish to a race-by-race decision rather than a full season. So as long as you don't have... competitors like Lowe's and Home Depot sponsoring the same driver, having multiple major sponsors is the norm these days. You know, because a lot of a lot of sponsors, and we've seen a lot of major sponsors leave the sport. But some of them have stayed, but in a smaller capacity. Kind of surprised me about Mars, that, that they 
couldn't work something out where, you know, they sponsored maybe six races a year or whatever versus being the main sponsor on the car. Right. There's All a- right, so we're go- we're going to Dega next weekend. What are we looking at? Well, the storyline besides crap shoot. Well, the storylines pertain to obviously around the playoff drivers. Like I said earlier, William Byron, with his win, guarantees himself into the next race. So basically, he's looking at Talladega as in as in one of two ways. He's going to look at this as do I want to help my teammates in terms of Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson, you know, push through on push through on their part of the playoffs to solidify the Hendrick, I don't want to say dominance, but Hendrick stronghold? Or does William Byron look at this more of himself? Because he could go out there and try to rack up playoff points. Well, that that's going to be an interesting thing because it's it's a must win situation or you know you're done. And with Talladega being a crap shoot, there's there's no way in knowing. And the other side of the storyline, too, is let's look at Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch. Both of those drivers are double digits under the cutoff line. They're going to look at – they're going to have to look at this race to try to make up for something. Exactly. Um, Kyle Larson's probably looking at this as a must win, being that he's only two points above – He's only two points in the gut. Right. Truex is probably looking at that, and he's plus 19. Because Truex knows he's not a super speedway racer. And if Truex learned anything from the last round, if Truex learned anything from the last round, no matter what kind of point gap you've got, you ain't safe at all. Exactly. So we we've got we've got a lot of drivers that are going to be pushing for that win because they need it. And the one thing that um, we obviously can look at with. Talladega too is that this is a lot of times this race 
not only moves you into the next round, but it could propel you into the final four because we've seen the year when Brad Keselowski was in a was essentially in a must-win situation. He won Talladega, and I believe that same year he reached the final four. Um, I believe the year Ryan Blaney won Talladega to move on, he was in discussion to be in the final four. But looking at... So with that said, let's let's talk about our hot picks. Well, right now we are ideally looking at the favorites being Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, and Ryan Blaney. Um, I did leave a, obviously I leave certain drivers off the table on purpose for a reason. Um, for contenders, I'm looking at Chris Buescher, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And Kevin Harvick. Underdogs, I'm looking at Eric. Underdogs, I'm looking at Eric Jones, Ryan Priest, and Eric Amarola. What about Reddit? See that that's one driver I'm that's one driver I'm not entirely sure about because if he's gonna be up front, he's gonna have a lot of Toyota help. I I've never seen Reddick be much of a super speedway racer. Unless I've been sleeping under rock and missed something. Okay. Well, I just I just have to have to throw his name in the hat because you know we never know with him. Well, the few drivers, the few drivers I circled and left one I almost added on and threw away one of the three names I mentioned before. Um. Actually, two of them would have to be Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. I know we've said Kyle Busch is not a big Talladega person, but while his average finish says otherwise, which is a which is a nineteen point nine, he has two wins, eight top fives, and ten top tens. So he knows how to win here. Joey Logano, on the other hand, also knows how to win here. And he's another one where his average finish may not say much, but his three wins, nine top fives, and 11 top tens also say something as well. I didn't realize Kyle had had that many wins here. That's interesting. Um... I think that I could put Logano as a contender 
and Bush as an underdog. I was thinking about sliding them up one notch. Put Logano as a favorite mm-hmm. and Bush as a as a contender, only because this is Super Speedways is where Ford shines. Okay. And looking at Talladega, Ryan Blaney has been one of those that runs very well here. But you, but normally, if, as long as you have a teammate behind you, it's hard to get pushed across the line. And I know there's Ford, Chevy Alliances, Toyota tries to pair up with somebody in the heat of the moment type of deal, but you always want to have a teammate behind you. And I feel right. like with Ryan, Bla- with Ryan Blaney, he's going to bring he's going to bring somebody with him. And if I and honestly, if I were Blaney, I would be bringing Logano with me. I would be sitting down with Logano and say, say, look, I know Talladega. Between the two of us, we have five wins together. I have to. I, I would have to look at Logano as as a favorite of some sort. All right, I I, I think I I can get on board with that. But Logano was a favorite, and Bush is a contender. Um. Another contender we could look. Another contender we could look at is I want to put in there is Ross Chastain. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Can't rule him out. What about Suarez? Yeah, it's a good thing you mentioned because we mentioned Blaney and Logano as a team. You know Chaffin's going to have to bring somebody. I could easily see Suarez as an underdog, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he, he's done okay at big tracks like this. Yeah, he's he's yep. been one that he's he's been one where he knows how to find himself in the right spots. I wouldn't necessarily say the race winning spots, but he knows how to put himself in the right spots in the right situations should things play into his hands. And like I okay. said, you're in a situation in with Suarez, yeah, he's not racing for a championship or anything. But he, but you know, in this type of season, not only are you going to follow manufacturer orders, you're going to want to follow team orders to the best of your ability. Right. And like I said with, like I said with Blaney and Logano, 
you, Jasmine's going to want Suarez with him. Right. So the so other name I want to throw the other name I want to throw out is Bubba Wallace. I notice we don't have any Toyotas up top. It, it's funny you mentioned that because I wasn't th- while well, I was sort of thinking Bubba, but I was thinking somebody in the Toyota camp, but a little higher up who has the ability on the super speedways. Hamlin. I'm, there you go. He's got two. He's, he has two wins, 10 top five, 15 top 10. He does have Daytona. He does have, what is it? Three or four Daytona 500s. He's, right. He's obviously got the knack for super speedways. And, it, and it's odd to see that because, Really, out. I mean, really, looking at this list, he's the only Toyota to talk about. And in terms of stat-wise, everybody in the Toyota camp doesn't even touch him. Hmm. I could easily throw Denny Hamlin as a as a favorite, being that we do have a spot open. Okay. Bubba Wallace, I don't want to. We can certainly talk about him. Um, if we were to throw him on the list, I could put him as a contender. I don't necessarily want to put him as an underdog, only because um, I feel like Bubba does well at super speedway races. Um, he does. And and he's got a chip on his shoulder after last weekend. So whether he takes that and works with it or lets, him hold, lets it hold him down is what remains to be seen. Yeah, I'm thinking he's gonna he's gonna have to enter Talladega with the right mindset because we all know if you enter, yes, you can enter this race saying that anything can happen, but I feel like in super speedway races, if you enter this race with the wrong mindset, you're not going anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. And so, can he get himself out of the funk of the loss of this past weekend? and get in into that right mindset, that's going to be the factor on how he does this weekend. Another underdog we have not mentioned is somebody who has won on a super speedway, and that is Michael McDowell. You you can never you can never rule out McD on a super speedway. That's my opinion. Apparently, you couldn't rule him out at Texas. And you know what? Looking at last week's picks for Texas, when I saw Craig pick McDowell, I literally 
I'm pretty sure my jaw dropped to the floor and there was an earthquake because I couldn't believe he picked them. And you know what? He, he, in moments where you don't expect McDowell, that's when he shows. Right, exactly. And he no longer has the pressure of a championship. So he's all out for winning the race. And here he knows he is guaranteed a top 16 point finish anyway. So he knows, so he knows his, he knows that front row and his 34 teams are going to be in good hands for at least for next year. Right. But again, there's, there's a lot of storylines. We threw in a lot of drivers that are not in the playoffs, but we're in the playoffs. Um, Talladega is going to have storylines. We already have plenty of storylines going in, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot going out. As I've mentioned, as we've mentioned, Joey Logano's out of the playoffs, but he's a favorite for Talladega. He's, he may be out of the playoffs, but he's got a teammate that's in it. Right. He's going to try to do what he can to put Ryan Blaney into the next round. Um, Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick, they're on the same team. You know that, yes, both of them want to get into the next round, but you know that they're going to have to follow team orders. And I'm sure Denny Hamlin's going to be right with them too, saying that if you guys want to move on to the next round, now let's work together. And I'm sure that they've got the orders of let's work together. But once the last lap comes, it's fair game. Yeah. Right. And we know Byron, with Byron being safe, the question is going to be, is he going to try to rack up the points that he may want for next round? Or is he going to help push Larson and Larson and Chase to not only get them to the next round of the drivers' championship, but the owners because Chase Elliott is running the owner playoffs. And of course, and who's going to? And of course, there's the RFK duo. And of course, there's the RFK duo. They've been riding momentum. They've. I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna slow down anytime soon. No. No, they're they're gonna keep pushing each other. They're gonna make sure one of those cars gets in the final four. at this point, I don't think they care which one. I think they they just wanna make sure one of them makes it. All right, so we got it, got our got our lists all set then. And any other racing news? Anything going on at Fonda or 
Fonda's done for the season. Um, Fonda 200 was the last event that they had for the year. Um, in terms of up here, it's basically big money races up here. I know there's um, a 50000 to win speed showcase race at Port Royal for the modified coming up shortly um, within a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be heading to Oswego for Super Dirt Week, um, Pro Stocks. Uh, I know last year Ken Trader and Kenny Wallace um, ran the Pro Stock class last year. Um, so, of course, Pro Stocks will be on hand this year, as always. The Sportsman will be on hand. Um, the 358 Modifieds and the Big Block Modifieds on hand as well. Um, Matt Shepard has declared that he'll be trying to go for the C8 and Big Block Modified Sweep once again that he got last year. Um, Tim McCready will be piloting uh, will be piloting a Big Block and returning to Oswego for Dirt Week this year. Uh, For those of you you may not know about McCready. He's a big late model driver that originally came out of New York running dirt modified. So he's still got a little bit of racing going up there. We got a little bit more. Um, a lot of tracks is basically um, either they're either winding down or pretty much done for the year. And um, it's basically big money races now. End of the season, get her done. Exactly. All right, well, in addition to um, the trucks and cups running at Dega this weekend, we've got Maine Arca running at the Salem track on Saturday on Flow as well as Arca West running at uh, All-American Speedway on Flow on Saturday, late. And the Wheel of Modifieds are running at North Wilkesboro, which will be on Flow Racing this weekend as well. So with all, all right, that, so we're going to cut it out. Plenty of it. So we're going to go ahead and cut it short a little bit tonight. Taz, you want to go ahead and take us on out? Sure thing. We want to thank everyone for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Block Talk Radio. If you miss us live at any time, you can always catch us on any forms of podcasts such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, RSSC, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaven, Podcast Addict. Deezer, Podchaser, YouTube, and Amazon Music. Um, Be sure to head on over to the 110 Nation Sports website. Um, Not only will you have links to our shows or wherever you can find us on those podcasts I've mentioned, but you can also look for 
uh, blog posts, it could be racing related, sports related, pretty much anything you can you can name, we've got it covered. Uh, we've also got a YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you go over and subscribe to that. I think we are either close or we hit the 50 uh, subscriber mark. Uh, we are pretty close. On that one, I know Mr. CJ's pushing it. Um, our YouTube channel includes uh, not only our shows, but also clips of each show. So if you don't feel like listening into our show or want to get a sneak peek of what our shows look like, we have clips of those as well. Um, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and I believe Instagram as well. Um, we want to thank the sponsors and make the 110 Nation roll, Bears Bullish Market Group, uh, Carolina Sports Plus, TNT Designs, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, Immortal Music, Entertainment, and Karaoke. We want to say thank you, everyone, for listening along. We'll, uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow night, Mr. CJ Sports and Mario in the studio for their weekly Wednesday night 110 Nation Sports show. I'll be discussing week three uh, recap of the NFL. Pre- I'm sure they're going to preview week four and give their picks of who's going to win. Um, I'm sure they'll probably cover the college football. There's a lot to unfold lately in the last couple weeks with that. Um, don't forget to check out uh, Jared's show on Thursday night as he talks about anything racing safety related there he's got a couple I'm sure he has a few interviews lined up ready to go to talk about that and also Monday night we have the 110 Nation Race Chat Live exclusive where you hear Mr. CJ and Chris talk to people within the racing industry whether it's a driver or somebody working with a race team, um, just interview them and talk about their careers. Uh, we'll, we'll see you the same bad time, same bad place next Tuesday night for Race Chat Live. This has been the Caution Flag of Race and Radio. Chris Creighton, the mom of their 110 Nation. Miss Lee Reed on the Tasmanian Double Flagger. Taz Taylor saying good night. We'll see you all next week. Good night, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hanging through our technical difficulties, and we hope to see you again next week. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords, and most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa, my two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the Little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. <laughs>